1: Okay. So, uh today, uh on this podcast of On the Farm, uh we have Janice Janice Val- Valenzuela.
2: Or Janice Virio. That's my uh my other last name. I, I use both interchangeably though. So. Okay.
1: Wait, wait, Janice Virio?
2: Scurio. Yeah. Scurrio.
1: Might
2: Yeah, it, it, that actually might be my last name uh, on my uh, on my Zoom, but uh, yeah, on on Twitter I go by Valenzuela, but it's so interchangeable, yeah.
1: I swear, because I was like, I know, I knew you from a while ago because I've been following you for so long on Twitter, and then I was like, no, but maybe not, because this is a different last name, and I was, yeah, so that's, that makes perfect sense. Okay. Venezuela, <laughs> uh, Jenna Scurrio, Um, she yeah. is a, an excellent follow on Twitter, I follow, I've been following her for almost, like, I feel like three years now. You're, three years, oh, yeah. Yes, yeah, you're <laughs> at Baller Librarian, right?
2: That is me. Yeah. I am at Baller Librarian, guilty as
1: charged. So what what, what what's that about? Why?
2: Um, it honestly I, I honestly don't love it. Um
1: <laughs> Are you a librarian? Were you a librarian? I, Are you a recovering I, librarian?
2: Uh I, I was a librarian uh for quite a while. Uh and I also used to play basketball. Uh but uh, that definitely was a lot more short-lived than my career in librarianship, so I just thought it would be, you know, you know kind of quirky, you know, it's a, a librarian that's also a baller, and so yeah. many people have told me the kind of irony that goes in hand with that. <laughs> so, um so
1: what position did you play in basketball? Were you point guard?
2: Oh yeah, I'm like I'm I'm only five four, so I had to be a point guard. Yeah, I, I didn't
1: see you as a five. <laughs> but okay, okay, that makes some sense. Okay, so so she's at Baller Librarian, and then you can also find her, find her at as she's a contributor at Southside Hit Pet, right?
2: Uh, yes. Uh, that is a uh, Sports Illustrated's uh, Chicago White Sox site. It's a relatively a fledgling site. Uh, it's, it's I believe we've only been online for about like four months mm-hmm. uh so yeah we definitely picked a great time uh to kind of uh, get very serious about full-time baseball writing yeah. uh <laughs> so, so it's so been it's been interesting
1: yeah and then like janice and i so we were talking prior to this we both grew up on the south side and we grew up very close to one another like like i Lived pretty. I lived regularly at my grandmother's house, and that was literally like five blocks away from where Janice was, grew up. So
2: yeah, yeah, that that's that's it, It's a small, small world. I believe. Yeah, you mentioned uh, Saint Mary Star of the Sea. I, I was uh, baptized at that church.
1: <laughs> yep. Yeah. And then, so, uh, so, so, so that, in, in, so for those who are not aware of the south side of Chicago or near Midway Airport, basically that is kind of like a cornerstone area of, of White Sox Fanville, I feel like. I feel like that's pretty diehard black and white around there. Um,
2: yeah. Yeah, I would say that's pretty, pretty accurate. Yeah, um, yeah my dad is a Bridgeport native. Uh, and kind of uh, migrated west over to Midway. Uh, and yeah, I think uh, mostly everyone I grew up with is a is a White Sox fan or was a White Sox fan at some point. Uh, I, I don't think we lost anyone to the Northsiders. Uh. <laughs> and now you're
1: living out the dream <laughs> by writing about the White Sox on a regular basis, which is why we have Janice on the podcast today, uh, because we wanted to kind of talk about uh, the White Sox the ML MLB draft and just kind of like the state of baseball in general, because I, you know, I feel like there are very few teams uh, that should be as upset about the MLB uh, cluster uh, screw up. <laughs> I can't swear on this pod. So I got to think about that. The cluster, uh, than, the, then the fust, the fuster, fuster cluck or cluster yeah, clock. Is, is... Is that taboo uh, then, as well? Yeah, then the White Sox, because they were on the precipice of being something really interesting. And I feel like it's been ripped away from us. Uh, and I'm very sad about that. So I, I just want to kind of commiserate with another uh, fellow White Sox fan. Uh, and so, so just in general, right? Um, the White Sox had a pretty interesting draft. Um, they didn't draft a hitter.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That was odd. All pitchers, actually. It's, it's, it's an all pitching, all pitching draft. Well, I mean, with only five rounds, um, right. I think uh, the White Sox going after arms uh, is definitely that that makes sense, in my opinion. Uh, I think with the first round pick of Garrett Crochet, uh, left handed pitching is something that uh, we lack in terms of depth. So uh, that move made sense. That move made a lot of sense to me.
1: Is it, is it super, like, on a scale of, like, incredibly lazy to, like, couch potato lazy, where are we on putting Garrett Crochet close to Chris Sale?
2: Oh, my goodness, yeah. So, I, I have read all of the Chris Sale comparisons, uh, and I think it's very surface level. Uh, yeah, they're both lanky lefties with low arm slots um, that throw hard. Uh, uh, and, uh, the whole possibility of injury too, has also come up a couple of times, uh, but I've been kind of selectively trying not to hear that. Uh, but, uh, yeah, from what I've seen so far, uh, it, it's, it's really more so of a novelty. I think, I think it would be nice for the White Sox to have a pitcher like Chris Sale again. Uh, but I, I don't want to, uh, put Crochet up to uh, that standard quite yet though.
1: So kind of talking back and forth, and I mean, I feel like I have whiplash right now with all the information that's coming out about what may or may not happen. There's going to be a season. There's not going to be a season. We're going to have a season of 60 games. We're going to have a season of of 40. Like uh, there might be an expanded playoff, an expanded roster, all of that. Do you feel like Garrett Crochet could potentially end up on a, a big league roster this summer? Or if there is an expanded roster or no?
2: I have heard uh, that he could, yeah, possibly be ready uh, pretty soon, Uh, but I know that when he was drafted, uh, someone brought up that he had some shoulder issues, uh, but I believe he was shut down um, uh, more so precautionary, if anything. I mean, if his shoulder issues were a real problem, then I don't think the White Sox would have drafted him. Uh, I have also heard some things thrown around that he might be a really good bullpen arm, uh, kind of like a Josh Hader type of reliever, uh, which I definitely can see right there. I actually like that comparison a little bit better than Chris Sale, uh, to be honest. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, at this point, um, I go back and forth between, I just want to see baseball again to, um, yeah, I want to see a, a, like a nice, good, healthy White Sox team uh, kind of battle it out uh, if, if there is going to be a season.
1: Yeah, so so outside of Garrett Crochet, right? I mean, eight picks later, Jared Kelly was taken, and if there was a finished product in Garrett Crochet, there is a a ball of Play-Doh, I guess you could say, a ball of, <laughs> a ball of clay in Jared Kelly. Is there anything notable about him that people should know about?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So one thing that I kept hearing was that everyone thought he was going to go in the first round. And I know that ESPN even ranked him as high as seventh pre-draft. So... To kind of see him go in the second round is very surprising to me. Uh, so uh, what I know about him, he's got this like ridiculously crazy good fastball and that his delivery uh, this guy is like effortless from what some of the scouting reports uh, have said. Uh, so I know his secondary pitch is his changeup, which is pretty pretty decent. Uh, the, the only concern is that he, he lacks a third pitch. Uh, so uh, we're kind of hoping that he, deli- he develops kind of a slider or, or a curve, Um, And also too, the the really great thing is that the White Sox are pretty much expected to make an offer to kind of steer him away from UT Austin. Uh, So uh, I believe his asking asking price was in the neighborhood of $3 million, which um, kind of blew me away to kind of see a high school arm go for that much. But otherwise, uh, yeah, super exciting. I honestly think that He's probably, like, one of the most interesting picks um, that the White Sox have had for a while. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I'm really excited to uh, kind of he- hear that signing once it happens.
1: Okay. And so, uh, you know, they you, you mentioned before that Jared Kelly's probably going to be signed for a pretty healthy amount, and uh, Garrett Crochet's obviously going to get his money and it seemed like um instead of drafting baseball players, the the White Sox decided to go for like Northeast Lacrosse players, judging by their names. So we have Addison, A-D-I-S-Y-N, Addison Coffee, <laughs> Kate McKell's or Michaels. I want to say it's McKells, but Michelle's. I don't know. It's it's M-E-C-H-A-L-S and then Bailey Horn. So um are we trying to just – what's going on here? Why? They're obviously going to go under slot. They're cheap. Right. So That, that was the plan, right? They were going to go heavy on the first two and then cheap on the next three. Um, what do you? How do you feel about the, uh, the other three, Addison, Cade, and Bailey?
2: That seems to be uh, kind of the move uh, that uh, is happening, uh, that they're definitely going under slot in rounds three to five uh, to – basically just be more aggressive towards uh, uh, Kelly and crochet. Uh, so funny you mentioned about, yeah, uh, Addison coffee. I'm pretty sure I misspelled Addison several times in my notes. Uh, I even kind of had like a, a small inside joke with myself as I was preparing. Uh, so uh, is, is this a white Sox pitching draft pick or a final fantasy character?
1: So. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like, like there's, it's just like, I don't, Okay. It, it's very similar 2000s. <laughs> You know?
2: Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, so from what I know, um, uh, especially in Addison Coffee, I thought it was very interesting that he's a two-way player. So um I believe he started off as a shortstop for Arizona State, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but he was drafted as a pitcher. Uh he was unranked absolutely everywhere. So I know absolutely nothing else about him. Um I've got some stuff on his fastball. It's like a mid to high nineties fastball. Um but uh, yeah, apparently, oh, I do have this bit of information. Uh, I saw a tweet uh, that says that he just signed for $50,000. So uh, yeah, that's, I think that's kind of uh, evident that uh, all of these picks are kind of, yeah, a punt to uh, kind of push towards those, those first two picks.
1: Well, I mean, if you think about it in comparison, that's, that's two and a half minor leaguers now, free agent minor leaguers. So yeah, wow, wow. $50,000. He's barely above minimum wage. This is great.
2: Yeah. 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 Absolutely. For sure. Um,
1: <laughs> baseball's broken. It's funny. Okay. Great. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's broken in so many ways, but I'm, I'm sure that's a story for later on in the podcast. Yeah. Cade uh, hey, yeah, or
1: Bailey, any, any feelings on either one of them?
2: Yeah. Uh, from, from what I know about Cade, uh, he already had uh, Tommy John surgery in May Um, He's already been drafted. He was drafted uh, in round 40 last year by the Marlins, so pretty cool. (laughs) Uh, Pretty good breaking ball. Um, He put up some decent numbers uh, for Grand Canyon uh, University. So in like three seasons, he had a 208 ERA, 48 walks. Um, and yeah, from what I know, yeah, undersized bullpen arm, oh, because of the TJ, we're probably not going to see him throw for a while. Uh, and again, yeah, bigger picture is, is gathering uh, those pennies to sign Kelly. Um, yeah. And what do I have on Bailey Horn? Uh, he too has already had Tommy John surgery. Um, yeah, he's got a pretty standard fastball. Uh, Baseball America said his changeup was enjoyable, uh, which I'm not exactly sure. <laughs> That's a
1: strange definition. Yeah.
2: I'm not exactly sure what that means. Like en- <laughs> enjoyable for whom? Uh, <laughs> uh, Fangraph seems to like his breaking stuff. Um, but, but other than that, he's just a typical fastball changeup duo pitcher. Uh, he seems to get a lot of sh- swinging strikes, uh, but that's all I have uh, on Bailey. Uh, he's another left-handed pitcher. Uh, again, I love lefties. That's kind of like my personal thing. So.
1: Yeah. They went really heavy on lefties and, and, just the idea that they went heavy on pitchers too means, you know, and I, I guess this kind of transitions into the White Sox at large, right? And the White Sox, the team, and, and how they their drafting strategy fits, fits into their long term plans. But I mean, they've gone out of their way to to sign long term contracts to Robert and yep. um, Robert. I, I always want to say that, but I know it's like Robert. But
2: same, same here. You know what? I think I say I, I say Robert in my head because that makes sense to me. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, out of my I mouth. I want to French it up. Yeah, yeah. Same here. Yeah. I, I speak a little bit of French. So yeah, that, that's, that's pretty much my methodology as well. So,
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh, but, but, I mean, they
1: signed, they signed, uh, Robert to a long-term deal. They signed Moncada to a long-term deal. Tim Anderson's mm-hmm. locked in. I mean, they have players across the diamond and even Abreu. and they drafted, they went ahead and drafted, uh, uh, oh my God, what's his name off the top of my head. I can't remember right now. First baseman from last year. Golden Spikes Award winner.
2: Oh, uh, Andrew Vaughn.
1: Yeah. you. Um, so I, I feel like they kind of have this core group of, of players locked in to where they're really not looking for a hitter at this point in time. They they went with all pitchers. Um, is this a is this an indictment of Reynaldo Lopez? Is it an re- indictment of of? Uh, like any of their other pitchers that are out there? I guess with the the bullpen arms, they're going to be a dime a dozen, right? But outside of Lucas Giolito, there's really not that headliner. Do you feel like they're searching for that number three?
2: I think so. Uh, And I also think it's definitely uh, more more, more so insurance because you definitely want to plan ahead for injury I think is a big one too uh, especially with guys that tend to throw very hard uh, you definitely kind of want to have uh, a lot of uh, effective guys uh, that can easily replace um, say uh, uh, someone like Gio Gonzalez bless his heart if he ever throws a pitch for the White Sox or uh, or anyone else that White goes Sox down- great
1: Gio Gonzalez
2: <laughs> former White Sox prospect and great Gio Gonzalez um, I mean, love really,
1: if you think about it, a, a lot of their, you know, pitchers, especially their pitching prospects, have, have flamed out. If, if we're thinking about, like, Dylan Cease, I, I actually think, will be fine. I think he will be fine, for all intents and purposes. It's just he needs to kind of get himself, his, his control together. But speaking of lack of control, Carson Fulmer. Uh, oh, not, my God. That, that doesn't look great. Reynaldo's a little bit all over the place. I think Carlos Rodon is probably um, no longer – is soon to be former White Sox, Carlos Renan. Um, So, I mean, like, there's not really much there um, outside of Kopech, right?
2: Yeah, I think uh, Kopech was kind of uh, in the center of our hearts and minds, uh, especially uh, with the – I think he threw five pitches uh, in a spring training game a few months ago, and uh, they were all, like, in the triple digits, and everyone was just incredibly just enamored uh, uh, with, uh, with what he threw. Um, uh, yeah, at the moment, um, yeah, there are always a couple of prospects that I'm thinking of. Um, of course, uh, I was in Arizona, uh, in March and I got to see, um, uh, crap. Who did I, who did I get to see that I really liked? Uh, Bernardo Flores. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, he, he's another lefty. Uh, I think he, he pitched like three solid innings and I believe he was expected to even make the triple a rotation, uh, but, uh, yeah, with kind of COVID putting uh, an abrupt stop to everything, uh, we kind of uh, lost sight of a lot of uh, the prospects we've been tracking. So that's been kind of disappointing.
1: Yeah. Do you feel like, so, so maybe the, the theory, the working theory should be Garrett Crochet and Michael Kopak each pitch two and a half innings Uh, as a fifth starter, and then they have a bullpen game? (laughs) I mean, like, I just, I don't see how it's going to work for Kopak long-term as far as the starter goes. Do you think he is a long-term starter?
2: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, Again, like, it would have been really nice to kind of see him work a little bit longer. Uh, From what I know uh, from his TJ rehab, uh, he seems to be throwing great. He seems to be throwing hard. He seems to be healthy.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but but yeah, they're going to keep and, and, him on a
1: pitch inning count, right?
2: Yeah. Um, especially in that one spring training game, I believe that he was on a very short leash. They, they didn't want him to throw any more than like 20, 25 pitches. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, maybe in the future yeah, he can he can eat some innings. Uh, right. Again, with, with how hard he throws too, that's always a concern to think about as well as... Uh, what if he needs a second Tommy John? Um, hope, well, hopefully, that's not the like case. You don't
1: you don't, <laughs> don't wish that into the into the universe.
2: No, um, no, I I actually did not say that at all. So completely, <laughs> The the past ten seconds of this podcast, yeah, just completely like yeah, did not happen. View.
1: I'm just going to yeah. beep out yeah. the name that you said. <laughs> so I think that there, you know, it's kind of interesting from the White Sox at large, right? If if we're kind of focusing on this as a team. Are there players that you know you feel like the general public loves that you, maybe you're not so excited about?
2: Um.
1: Or are you looking a- at the White Sox through rose-colored glasses, like me?
2: Oh, I, I am much so uh, completely very biased and a huge optimist. <laughs> um, I, I pretty much love everyone. Uh, it, it takes a lot to disappoint me.
1: <laughs> Lori Garcia.
2: I actually really, really do like him. Uh, this is and- a really nice
1: podcast, Janice. Thank you for coming on. I had a great time. <laughs> what is it about? What is it about Larry Garcia that you're just you get gets you excited?
2: It could very well much be that um, my bias is showing because I just play a lot of MLB The Show, and he <laughs> is he's a really fantastic contact hitter in that game. Uh, so that could be why. I think I might have pitched, pinch hit with him a few times, and he's certainly uh, gotten some uh, great uh, uh, some great runs for me. But I do have to admit, especially early on in the offseason, uh, WhiteSox.com had a depth chart of, uh, say, uh, the current state of every position. And I believe Leary was uh, on the depth chart for, like, all of the infield and all of the outfield as well. And I had to admit to myself that that did not look great.
1: (laughs) He's going to be a great utility player when, uh, when Nick Madrigal comes up.
2: Um, Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, So, I mean, one player that I was really excited about seeing was Nick Madrigal uh, from what I remember, his spring was kind of lukewarm, though. Uh, but still, though, there were a whole there, there, there was just a mass of us just kind of on the uh, the Nick Madrigal train, just mainly because we just really wanted to have a have a second baseman uh, with Yolmer Sanchez departing. Um, Who, yeah, that going back
1: me out the fact that Yolmer. Yeah.
2: Yeah, absolutely. A golden, golden glove, uh, a second baseman. Uh, but again, uh, the bat wasn't there. I think it was definitely just time for, the, uh, Yolmer and the organization to part ways, mm-hmm. which kind of, kind of hurt cause he's been with us for so long. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but Hey, you know what? Got to move on. Um, yeah, and hopefully, uh, uh, Madrigal can kind of uh, fill that slot at second, uh, when the time comes I keep saying that yeah but
1: so, so we have a lot of fantasy baseball listeners uh on our podcast or listeners for the podcast and I just want you to look into your crystal ball really quick and tell mm-hmm. me uh it, the career high total home runs for Nick Madrigal for a season career high for a season for a season
2: mm-hmm. um oh my goodness uh crap i, I I'll,
1: I'll give you a number greater <laughs> than or less than 10
2: it's greater than
1: okay greater than or less than 15
2: greater than you know what I'm going to settle on like a 17 18 I, I know like he's no like Scott Pesednik but uh yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> so keep in mind everybody you have to understand we are very like we're we're very optimistic White Sox fans so there's a little yeah. bit of, there's a little bit of bias here so if if I was going to take off my White Sox fandom, I, I would say probably less than fifteen, but more than ten.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was definitely a very generous uh, estimate. Yeah. Uh, I, I do have to admit. So so there is uh, the disclaimer there. The okay. the, the bias and uh, yeah, the generosity uh, is definitely present.
1: <laughs> okay, over under number of MVPs that Yon Mankata wins one and a half.
2: Uh. T- I, what are we talking about wait say in the near future or yeah, just in his career in his career he's got to have at least one at least one
1: so so but over under one and a half right so he's either going to win one or he's going to win more than one
2: oh crap okay um you know what hell more than one more okay
1: than one. i love it and that's right Two. okay and we're gonna do we're gonna do one more okay over okay. under uh Career high, season career high home runs for Eloy Jimenez.
2: Oh my goodness! Um, I I want to say thirty. He's he's got he's, he's I I feel as if he has the potential to be a thirty season a thirty home run hitter in a season.
1: Yeah, I think he could do more. I want to say I want to say that he's gonna. So this is me, right? This is this is my fanboyness. I, I think that he's gonna have a fifty burger one year.
2: Oh my goodness. I would love to see
1: that too. I mean, like you look at those uh M I L like you look at like the minor leagues, he literally busted out the lights on a home run one year. Like
2: I remember that.
1: Yeah. I just I have that seared into my brain and I'm like, this guy's gonna hit fifty home runs, it's fine, it's gonna be great. Um are you are you like on the level of sadness, one to ten, um, where are you on the White Sox or MLB pissing away Edwin in potentially last season, maybe second to last season.
2: Oh my goodness. Um I honestly have not thought much about Edwin and I'm kind of like mad at myself. And yeah. I'm kind of mad at I'm mad at you now actually for bringing that up.
1: <laughs> I honestly I've been looking at the roster and I'm like, "Oh yeah, we signed Edwin." Like that was going to be a thing. He was going to be great at the five, at the five hole. And a-
2: Absolutely, yeah. And I wrote about it, too. I-, I wrote about, like, his multiple 30-plus home run seasons, consecutive 30-plus home run seasons, and how uh, incredibly great at DH he was going to be and what a great five-hole hitter he was going to be. Uh and uh, yeah it's all just going to be pissed away now I guess. Um mm-hmm. uh, but I mean honestly like this entire time when when you talk about one year deals I've just been thinking about Gio Gonzalez and uh his insane journey back to the White Sox. <laughs> <laughs> um uh yeah uh, but other than that my my anger scale is pretty up there. Yeah. I want I want to say it's a solid uh it's 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 at a solid 8.5 yeah
1: (laughs) (laughs) it bums me out so so the only other thing that i want to talk about just from the major league roster right um there's only one true lefty in the starting lineup if it if we have a season this year and that's nomar Mazzara. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: why do i want to why do why does anybody like him
2: (laughs) um that's a really great question why do you Uh, like him I I don't like him, but I don't hate him either. I I don't hate him at all. Agnostic. Um, I I, I am. I am Mazzara agnostic. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I I remember just as soon as uh, all of the off-season acquisitions and the hot stove was just uh, heating up, that uh, Mazzara was like one of the first trades made. He was one of the first. And I just remember the entire White Sox fandom raising their pitchforks, like, oh, what the hell? Like, just mainly because just in, in, in seasons past, it's usually a one-and-done type thing where, oh, well, this completely, like, lackluster, kind of toast mood is, is just going to kind of set the tone for how the rest of this offseason is going to go. So I, I, I feel as if um, we react. We, we didn't give Nomar much of a chance.
1: <laughs> I, I feel like that's justified because in my mind, right, I wanted the White Sox to sign Yasiel Puig.
2: Yeah, of course. That was of course, my guy. Yeah.
1: I was excited and about that.
2: I, I was actually still on the Puig train, um, I, I was, um, you know, the lead singer for Puig Destroyer for a little bit, uh, just mainly because I really wanted, um, a platoon partner for Mizara as well, um, mm-hmm. to kind of have that flexibility, um, to switch out the right-handed bat for the left-handed bat. Um, yeah, th- 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 that's, yeah exactly. Yeah, definitely d- defensively. Uh, that definitely would have been nice to have as well. Um, yeah, for the times that uh, Luis Robert uh, can't run over into right field, uh, as he has in this show for me quite a few times.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> so so uh, give me your favorite minor leaguer not named Andrew Vaughn or Nick Madrigal.
2: Oh, my gosh. Um, rapid Fire, my favorite minor leaguer right now. Definitely has to be Yermeen Mercedes.
1: I love it. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> he's, like, he's becoming a folk hero.
2: Yeah, he absolutely is. Um, what do you I was, like about him? Oh, my goodness. Well, um, he's definitely not going to be gr- uh, great defensively, but uh, he just has this fantastic energy, and uh, especially in spring training, he showed up and showed out. Uh, he was uh, getting clutch hits when needed. Um, he was uh, especially great at the plate. Um, and his social media is really fun, too. Uh, I think uh, we all kind of fell in love with him after seeing the video of him pouring the 40 on himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's a big boy.
1: He's a big yeah, boy.
2: Yeah, he is. He is. And I understand, like, he's not a, prospect because he's like 28 uh yeah
1: yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs)
2: he's still a fun but he 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 is a really fun player to watch and i think that should honestly matter too um yeah a lot of us wanted to uh see him be the 26th man uh like we i I was certainly rooting for him to uh, to get that spot uh, Mm -hmm. but that didn't happen but uh, i i love your mean though um uh, i i have so much like like appreciation for him
1: yeah he's he's a better williams astudio <laughs> he's 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 indie williams astudio in my mind like like we knew about him before he was cool like he's going to be that guy for people later on
2: oh yeah 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 absolutely uh, he he's just fun yeah, and he's, um, yeah. he's,
1: he's got that power too. Like he is, he's got a really good hit tool and he's got a lot of power to him. Like I just – I think he's going to find a spot eventually. Like people there, – there are people out there that like Jake Berger. There are people out there that like Zach Collins. But like they're not – that's not it. Like you got to go with Yerman. Like that's – if you want somebody that's going to really surprise people, especially if they do have the season and they do expand rosters, I mean there is no reason why Yerman shouldn't be, out, be a part of that group.
2: Absolutely. Um, And just having catching depth, uh, at least uh, while examining the White Sox, has been strange, to say the least. (laughs) (laughs) So we've got like... uh, just a elite catcher in Yasmani Grandal. Uh, James McCann, uh, like, not as great defensively as Yasmani, but still, like, very cool uh, in the season he had last year. Uh, and then you've got uh, Zach Collins, um, has a lot of potential. Uh, and then, uh, I know, uh, we saw a lot of Sevi Zavala last year. Uh, and then mean Mercedes. So, we have mm-hmm. so much – we have so many catchers, so much depth. And to me, that, that like, that, that, that's just – odd that's (laughs) yeah it's it's yeah it's cool at the same time though yes
1: exactly exactly right so so I think that you know I just kind of want to talk a little bit about so we're going to transition away from like the players for a little bit and just talk baseball in general um so for those of you that are not uh that are only here for the fantasy this is your time to hit pause but get ready for some really interesting conversation otherwise um the MILB at large right I have I have feelings on this that I have not really disclosed to the general public uh, oh boy, on the podcast right but but I feel like you uh, would be a much better voice on explaining milB in general and then MLB we're gonna kind of get into both of these but so from the milB perspective and and to be clear with you know with a lot of people that are out there right now I have not recorded really since marchish like I've, I've had a couple podcasts here and there but like when COVID came, my work got crazy, I stopped recording. But since that point in time, there's been all sorts of stuff that has happened with the minor leagues. They've contracted teams, they've screwed up the payment of players, like the MLB, you know, for all intents and purposes, the owners have been cravenous at best when it comes to the negotiations with, with the MLB. But really what's flown under the radar is what's happened with the minor league system. And I didn't know if you had any – like, what are your feelings on the minor league contraction, the way that people have been handled, or the real humans that are desperately needing money and and are being given penance, like, pittance uh, by the the owners and players have to step in. Like, what are your thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, there's talks on – yeah, just – teams being eliminated altogether. And I might be going a little um, way back there. But uh, yeah, it's still uh, something that's very real that especially with uh, everything on pause right now, uh, the minor leaguers aren't getting paid anything or uh, if they are, it's something incredibly just piety like what four hundred dollars a week is it? It's it's like nowhere near a living wage, uh, and then you see uh, some players kind of stepping in. So I do know that the Washington Nationals, um, kind of spearheaded by Sean Doolittle. Uh, uh, The Nationals kind of got together on a Zoom call, from what I understand, and kind of put this fund together to uh, support uh, everyone uh, in in that Nationals uh, farm system. Which I think is great. I think it's absolutely wonderful uh, that they decided to step up and do that, but they honestly shouldn't have had to do that. there, there honestly, like, should have been more of a structure in place to make sure that these guys get paid. Um, uh, yeah, it, it's just kind of a horrible situation. Uh, it, it's really great to kind of uh, see, uh, see the more established players recognize that, though. Uh, but on the other hand, it's like – um th- 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 There needs to be a better solution for this, uh, and then I- I've also seen other organizations kind of pop up. I know that there's a Twitter account called uh, "Adopt a Minor League Player," uh, where uh, th- this account uh, puts fans in touch with a minor leaguer that they can adopt. Uh, I-, I actually tried to adopt a minor leaguer myself, uh, but I was uh, I-, I was unemployed back then, so <laughs> I had to I had to respect respectfully decline, but but now that I am once again gainfully employed, uh, I should definitely uh, see if there's anyone I could possibly support now that uh, things yeah, are a little Walden's bit better on of, my end. You know, Emily
1: Walden of the, of the Athletics kind of spearheaded a lot of that and and been out there advocating kind of in the paint for a lot of minor league players. Um, and I just – I cannot – you know, I obviously – I cannot be, or I don't have a platform that she does, but it's just amazing work. And if you are listening and you are interested in supporting minor leaguers, who really, like I said, and when you think about minor leaguers, these these guys, these players, they're living in because they only get a small amount of money uh, from from the owners or from the from the MLB. They are kind of living five, six people in a small two bedroom apartment. Um, where where they're kind of crashing together and it's they're eating poorly like they don't really have a lot to take care of themselves because they are trying to live their dream they're working hard they're trying to they're trying to get to the show um, so we think about this from we take away from this because the mi- major leagues are arguing over literally a billion dollars and there are people out there that are struggling just for 400 dollars a month and you have teams like the Oakland Athletics who are just kind of out there saying, you know what, we're not going to do it. And they have to be shamed into covering and, and publicly shamed into supporting these minor league players. And because the owners in general don't want to support these teams or these minor league players. Now they're talking about contracting and having less people that they have to support or right. They're contracting these MILB, the MIL draft. And now they're going out and they're getting these, these MILB free agents where they don't have to pay, a significant amount and significant is kind of in quotations here, but really twenty thousand dollars is what they're offering somebody for a year to play baseball. So I it's just it's frustrating. It's frustrating to see. Um, it's frustrating that people like David Price have to go out there and cover for the Los Angeles Dodgers, right? Like he's gonna <laughs> find out his own money because of the Los Angeles Dodgers won't. And, it's and not, I
2: believe, yeah, yeah, the Dodgers were like what, like second or third uh, in revenue, uh, I believe, last year or something like that. I, I know that they're up there. The, the, the right. Dodgers have money, essentially, is what I'm getting at.
1: Right, and we and we and we applaud the Dodgers for growing such an amazing farm system and having players like Cody Bellinger and Justin Turner and uh, and you know Gavin Lux and these players come up, and it's amazing. But you know what they're doing is they're arbitrating these players. They're not paying them millions and millions and millions of dollars that yep. Mookie Betts might command, right? They're mm-hmm. going and they're paying this small, small amount. And then they're going to contract teams. And, they're, and there are other teams that are out there, right? Like the White Sox and like the Cubs who have had tax breaks and subsidies come through with their, with their ballparks. And they're getting away with all sorts of stuff. And yet they won't pay these players who are, it's almost like indentured servitude and it's so frustrating to see it's, it's really upsetting. So I don't know. I that's, I'm getting off my soapbox.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah. And I just can't imagine, um, training to potentially be an elite athlete when yeah, you're just, you you can't afford great food because healthy food, let's face it, is expensive. Uh, that is another grievance I have for the general world that I, I, I might talk about some other day. Uh, and yeah, just, uh, yeah, to be able to train to that elite level, like takes a lot of financial investment and you're not going to do that on $20,000 a year.
1: So, um, I think, I think this kind of transitions into our MLB at large conversation. Um, I mean, I, obviously you're probably keyed into the Chicago media. A lot of people might not be, but for a while there, um, after George, George Floyd's murder, um, and the Black Lives Matter really started catching fire, right? And there were protests everywhere. Um, MLB was kind of slower in all of the other major sports to kind of respond and react and and give a public statement. And then even beyond that, the White Sox were seemingly even slower than that, Um, which is odd to me, right? Because a lot of the, the fans that support them are people of color. Um, you know, the South side is not necessarily, you know, milk toast. There are pockets, let's be fair, but there are pockets. But um, and then, um, you know, just from the perspective of Kenny Williams being a black executive and one of the only ones that are out there in the MLB, and then Tim Anderson being kind of this outspoken black player of very few black players that are out there. Um, it was frustrating to see as a fan. What were what was your feeling on it? And then once Kenny Williams came out, how did you feel about, you know, his response?
2: Oh, my goodness. Uh, to begin, uh, it didn't surprise me that MLB kind of took so long with their statement. Uh, and uh, for a minute, I thought about it and decided that um, given kind of the history of some of the decisions MLB has made before in the past, maybe it's best if they stay silent on this. Uh, so I think what kind of happened there, um, MLB kind of allowed some of its players to kind of take the reins and express themselves in terms of what was happening. Uh, so one of the players in the forefront of this was uh, definitely Tim Anderson, um, who chose a little bit more of a visual approach uh, to his protest, which, which I thought was cool. Uh, Lucas Giolito, uh, it was also really cool to kind of uh, see him speak out and kind of acknowledge his privileges Uh, to kind of stand in solidarity uh, with Black Lives Matter. Uh, And I think as a a white player in particular, I thought that was especially important that he's uh, now beginning to use his platform to kind of uh, get these messages across. Uh, And then we we kind of saw all these other players too, just kind of um, uh, uh, being a lot more formative in terms of speaking out for social justice. So uh, Jack Flaherty, I think was definitely one of them too. And I honestly didn't even know how cool Jack Flaherty was until I found his Instagram. Uh, I, I should have known before, uh, and I complain on this uh, about this on every podcast I'm on, that MLB does a complete crap job of marketing its players. Uh, I, I should have known that, that, that he was pretty awesome. Uh, But again, uh, yeah, just kind of letting those players uh, getting the message out. Um, But from the statements that MLB released eventually, uh, I think uh, they probably uh, took some time to think things over and instead of, I guess, um, positioning things from a very kind of white-centric point of view. Uh, that they kind of also uh, highlighted a, a lot of what the black players, a, a lot of the, uh, what the African-American players kind of had to say about their experiences uh, playing baseball and uh, kind of bringing some very um, sometimes uncomfortable dialogue out into the open, uh, which I think is very necessary. Uh, I think uh, kind of pushing the general conversation to a point of discomfort uh, is is necessary in a way too uh, and kind of going on to uh, Kenny Williams statement uh, I think I might have tweeted before that I, I kind of thought the White Sox response at first was very uh, very lackadaisical kind of kind of meh I believe like they, they created a graphic with some kind of disposable MLK quote it, like it, it was very generic um, and with everything that the White Sox uh, do in the community, too, um, with the amount of help that they uh, have given Tim Anderson's charity, uh, the, the Anderson's League of Leaders, for example, a lot of um, the things that they're doing to uh, help uh, uh, baseball teams on the South Side, uh, that a, a lot more of a stronger statement was certainly needed, Uh, And I think uh, eventually that's uh, where uh, kind of Kenny Williams came in to kind of talk about his experience as being um, uh, an executive in his position and a lot of the really awful things that he kind of had to face and go through. Um, So uh, eventually I I think it's great that uh, the White Sox kind of uh, gave way to kind of uh, let Kenny kind of talk about his experiences and whatnot um, but all in all, I think this just opens the door, uh, for more, um, for more conversation, uh, for more dialogue in the future. And hopefully it's just a start.
1: Yeah. So how long have you been writing for? How, what, has been, uh, how long have you been kind of quote unquote in the industry, so to speak?
2: Oh man, not very long. I'm, I'm still relatively new. Um, I've only been uh, writing uh, and analyzing baseball, I guess, uh, seriously. And I use the term serious loosely uh, for about a year. Um, and uh, I, I guess to very briefly talk about how I was uh, drafted, uh, I was found on Twitter. Uh, my editor at Southside Hit Pen, Brett Valentini, uh, saw me arguing uh, with a Royals fan over. Uh, uh, Tim Anderson getting, uh, hit by, hit by a pitch, uh, by, uh, Brad, Brad Keller. Keller. Yeah. 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 Uh, this, uh, this Royals fan was not very nice. Uh, was saying some very outlandish things to me. And, uh, and yeah, I just kind of held my own. I held my position. I just kind of stood up for what I thought was good and right. And next thing I know, uh, I have an editor for a website, a White Sox website in my DMs, uh, asking me to write for, uh, for, his website. So that was pretty cool.
1: So what's been, um, you know, and, and we try to have uncomfortable conversations when we can, right. So that we can grow and, and, and understand one another a little bit better. Um, so obviously you are a woman of color, right? You are, you, and, and so I don't know if you've seen or if you've noticed, but, uh, generally, uh, the, the, the baseball writers around here are, are white and they're males.
2: I've so noticed. Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It
1: seems like it. So, so what's been your experience, and and what can you know play uh, platforms like PitcherList, List? What can platforms like even Sports Illustrated, ESPN, places like that do in order to kind of promote, support, bring on people, feel, make them feel welcomed, and be a part of the community?
2: Uh, that's a really great question. Uh, just mainly, uh, find uh, diverse voices, uh, and, uh, promote them wherever you can, uh, through uh, any, any avenues possible. Uh, I I think a huge part of it too is the whole encouragement. Uh, and I've talked about this a lot, uh, throughout my career is that there's lots of imposter syndrome that kind of goes around. Uh, and this may, might not necessarily uh, be exclusive uh, to women in baseball per se, but a lot of us just kind of get this feeling that we may not be, um, as, uh, as able to, uh, discuss things, uh, especially when men, uh, or or especially with men who may not necessarily value our opinions or value what we have to say. So, um, like especially on the editorial side, it's always nice to know that uh, someone has your back uh, so, like especially from a from a writer's perspective, uh, I really enjoy like just writing for someone who uh, will not only back me up but also be uh, very supportive of my work and like not uh, or uh, and very enthusiastic in terms of promoting it.
1: Sorry, I hit the mute, unmute button there. <laughs> I didn't, wanna, didn't want my kids in the background yelling. So, um, okay, great. Well, okay, so outside of that, right, outside of promoting, um, are there people out there, voices that you feel like people should know or should be listening to, people that maybe they should follow on Twitter or be reading? Uh, w- what are some exceptional writers out there that really we should be, be focused on? Outside of you, of course.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, outside of myself and all of the lovely people uh, that I work with uh, at Southside Pen, of course. Um, yeah, I- I've gotten to know some really fantastic people uh, over at Pitcher List. Um, so uh, Michael Leggetto is one of them. Um, he- he's pretty fantastic uh, in terms of, uh, yeah, just uh, his writing on the Mariners. Uh, some other people I- I've, c- I've come to really like. Um, let's see. Uh yeah, so uh, Jen Mac Ramos, uh, who is a, a really fantastic writer, uh, so they cover um, uh, they cover a lot of the minors. Uh, also to a lot of kind of the more cultural things that are happening in baseball as well. I've really enjoyed their writing quite a bit. Um, Shakia Taylor or Curly Fro on Twitter is another one of my favorite writers. Uh, she talks a lot about, again, a lot of more of the, the cultural uh, aspects of baseball. She wrote a really fantastic article on Effa Manley, uh, that was really enjoyable to read. Uh, A lot of history, uh, too, that goes into that as well. Uh, Another really great friend of mine uh, who's kind of just dipping her toes into baseball writing uh, is uh, Dahlia St. Knives or uh, St. Knives on Twitter. Uh, So she's uh, a Mariners fan, uh, but she's also a a new White Sox fan, too. So she's also just kind of uh, learning a little bit about how we work around these parts and uh, learning a little bit more about these players, uh, and also to uh, entering herself in the the general dialogue that uh, we as White Sox fans participate in. So just off the top of my head, those are kind of uh, the voices I'd like to promote.
1: Is that St. Knives?
2: Yes, yes, St. Awesome. Knives. That is I yeah. just followed
1: <laughs> her. That is amazing.
2: Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. She, she, she's a really fantastic writer, so. Yeah,
1: um, and, and you know, it's, it's really interesting. You, you bring up Jen and you bring up, uh, I'm sorry, I only know her as at Curly Fro, to be honest with you, because the Twitter handle sticks with me and I'm like, this is, this is an amazing <laughs> game. But yeah. I've, been, I've been following them now for a while and yes, they, they are brilliant baseball, moms, Shakia. So Shakia ha, uh, feels very strongly about uh, pitchers uh, and the DH being universal now. Uh, if you want those takes, by all means, go there. But then also, Jen and Shakia, following them on Twitter, you kind of get this exposure, this understanding. You it helps you have as, and I'm speaking as a white male, have that introspection to say, okay, what does this mean? How do I process this? You know, like what? How do I incorporate the feelings that they have into the way that I behave and the way that I speak and the way that I carry myself on a day to day basis? And and I cannot thank them enough for that. And I cannot thank you enough for your time and your recommendations too. Um, do you have anything that you're working on that we need to be on the lookout for?
2: Oh man, um, at the moment, I, I honestly wish I was working on something. Uh, I, I wish hard to I work was, on uh, something right now. <laughs> I honestly wish I was like just working on my my um, my game recap of what I think it might have been what the seventieth or, like, 71st game of the season. uh, I should be getting mad
1: about the All-Star selections. That's what, like, we should be getting mad about that right now.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. Right now, I would be um, defending Dallas Keuchel's high whip. uh, It it, it would probably be pretty high right now, but um, I I, I, – I, I, I would defend it for sure. Cause I love lefties. That, 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 that's my thing. If you're a left-handed pitcher, I will defend you.
1: Yeah. Um, Gio Gonzalez, we should be, Gio Gonzalez should be on like a, a campaign where he's pitching a th- to a three, two ERA for some unknown reason. And he has like 11 wins for no reason at all. Like-
2: yeah. Right, right, right. Uh, Lucas <laughs> Giolito should be well on his way to uh, his, uh, his, maybe 13th win 13th or 14th win at this mm-hmm. point i think at the very beginning of the season i made the bold prediction that lucas giolito would win 20 games i, I know pitcher wins are kind of out of fashion and kind of like like um, taboo to talk about but at the same time if, if you if you're going to win 20 games that's also kind of a testament to how good of a pitcher you are too and, and lucas is a good pitcher as well mm-hmm. it's shorthand
1: um, and, it's shorthand yeah like a testament to hey he's a 20 game winner oh he's pretty good yeah yeah Yeah.
2: precisely precisely right so so i i should be lauding him i should be yeah defending dallas's high whip i should be mad at the all-star selections uh but here i am here i am drinking a Lacroix and uh talking to you which is fine too which is perfectly (laughs) fine as well well. thank
1: you thank you i appreciate that so um Okay. It seems like the latest right now, and, and again, we're recording at like uh, seven o'clock uh, central time uh, on Thursday night. Uh, there may be a deal that might be potentially, hopefully struck um, in the near future, uh, somewhere between 60 and 70 games. Are you on a scale of one to 10 right now? You know, one being no season at all, 10 being there's going to be a season and it's going to be great. Where are you on your your optimism?
2: Oh, my goodness. Uh, I was uh, honestly already at peace with there being no season at all um, just uh, months ago. So I think if anything happens, uh, it'll be a pleasant surprise. It's, it's but it feels like an
1: abusive relationship right now. It, you know it, I mean
2: it honestly really does. Like, like we, as fans, we've been kind of gaslighted to the point where if, if, if we do show any excitement of there being a season, we're either just going to feel incredibly crazy for thinking there would be a season in the first place uh, or just be incredibly disappointed or maybe a little bit of both too. Um, at this point, there's been so much back and forth between uh, the MLBPA and MLB that um, I, I just I honestly just want it to end, just just put me out of my misery. Uh, if, if it's 69 or 70 games, like fine, uh, just just tell us if it's happening or not. I'm, I'm just so incredibly frustrated and tired of hearing it, it, it at this point.
1: So you feel like there's going to be a season though?
2: Uh, probably, probably. Okay. I, I, and I, I, am kind of laughing at my own disappointment in that tone, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, 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 think there probably will be. Yeah. Uh, so, but, but if there won't, if, if, if there won't be a season, I won't be disappointed.
1: Okay. You're at peace, but, but you're still, you, you have that ember of hope within you.
2: Yeah. It's a very, it's it's like a matchstick of hope. I want to say that that's, that's about as much hope as I have right now.
1: All right. Well, thank you so much again. Again, listeners, please, please follow Janice. She's amazing. She's a very, very bright baseball mind. Please. Apparently you're on, you're on Instagram as well. Do you want to give that out or is that, is that a hidden thing?
2: Oh no, no, it's it's sort of public. Uh, yeah, it's it's basically uh, Scuriosa, which is my my last name with an S A um, attached to it. Uh, so yeah, follow me on Instagram too for lots of pictures of my dog. Uh, I don't know what else I do on there. Uh, <laughs> yeah.
1: Who knows what anybody does on Instagram? But uh, yeah, and add Baller Librarian for all the other stuff. Right? So
2: yeah, 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 Baller Librarian. Uh, as as long as I will. Uh, I guess, tolerate that name until I think of something better, <laughs> then yeah, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be baller librarian. I'll, I'll, baller librarian will be on my tombstone for all, all I know.
1: So, <laughs> Well, Janice, thank you so much for coming on. I really, really appreciate it. And when you are ready and when baseball starts again, I hope you'll come back on and we can commiserate about or celebrate the Sox and, and whatever they have in their season that's upcoming.
2: Heck yeah, let's go. On your Get it.
0: Look at all these slaves, masters, posing on your dollar. Look at all these slaves, masters, posing on your dollar. Get it. Look at all these slaves, masters. 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 Hey. Been in time, I'm on mine, I be minded, mine. Every time on my grind, I'm just trying to shine.